is freaking out this, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. We're going to do you a minute. That really worked that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Yes, good morning, everybody. It is the Brock and Salk program here on Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, and the Seattle Sports app. It's great to be here with you guys this morning, and maybe it's not this morning. Maybe it's sometime later. Maybe you're on one of those many, many podcast platforms, and you're joining us at a time that's not morning at all. Maybe daytime, maybe evening, maybe in the middle of the night. Man, I don't know what you're up to. Don't listen to us in the middle of the night. That kind of weirds me out. You don't like the idea of people having fallen asleep to your voice? No. Not at all. Is my voice soothing in some way? I would certainly not expect that well, to be. We did a, have somebody call in on their birthday and say the only thing they wanted to hear was your voice. So I, I wouldn't know. cut yourself short, Salk. Soothing is not necessarily a word that I would use to describe either me nor my voice. So I don't know, man. That that doesn't sound quite right. So just let's set a rule. 1, p, 1 a.m. That's the latest. Yeah, the latest. Don't listen to this show after 1 a.m. What about people who work graveyard? Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm uncomfortable with you listening to this show after one. I mean, fine. If you're working at night, fine. Okay. Yeah, we'll make you an nine exception. to fivers. No, no one a.m. That's right. Know. If you're just working a normal schedule, don't listen to the show after one a.m. It yeah. bugs me Unless out. Unless you're just, like on a road trip, you got to stay awake. Yeah. There's Actually, I got a text last night here. Um, it says Salk. This comes to eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six, which of course is the Mac and Jack's text line. It says Salk. It's eight fifty Pacific time, not Eastern. And as I listen to you explain your point on why the Mariners should change to the Steelheads and all that comes with it, I found myself buying into what you were selling. How about that? That's always nice to hear. That's really, yeah, you're a convincing guy. Until you said the words, change the name, change the jersey, change the scheme, change everything. And that's only because the same tone you had with those words was the same tone you had when you told everyone to sell the wife, sell your kids, and bet on the Packers beating the Lions. And for that, I now have to disagree with you, and I blame you for that. That was an all-timer. Yeah, I got, got that one wrong, that's for sure. But yeah, I, I felt like I sort of manifested that one into happening. Anyway, yeah, maybe it was the same tone of voice. I don't know. I get on a roll. What can I tell you? I thought I was going to have that right in front of me, and I don't. I know. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. What a, what a great. I got another here uh, that comes in. I love, the, I love when people text at night. I think it's great. Mr. Salk, how the, well, I got H <laughs> and then uh, three uh, three asterisks. Okay. Heck, I don't know why you would need to, to blot out heck. Mr. Salk, how the heck is it? Teams like the Florida Marlins and Cincinnati Reds have better records than the Mariners, though not by much. But Seattle has had years to get it right. It absolutely baffles me. Well, I, here's here's the thing. And I don't want I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. This may not have occurred to you here 206. I don't know. Maybe I'm the first to say this. Maybe it's something you've thought about before. But when you say Seattle has had years to get it right, so of the Marlins and Reds. Ah, yes. I, I, this is going to baffle a lot of people, and I, I'm really, again, I'm sorry to be the bearer of this kind of news. The Mariners aren't the only team in the in 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 the game. There's others. The Reds are trying to. So are the Marlins in their own unique ways. Yes, they've put together a lot of young talent. Now, do I think the Reds are better than the Mariners? 
No, I don't. They did just win nine games in a row, which has certainly helped them. But I don't think they have a better roster than the Mariners no, do right some now. They've rookies that were playing really well right now. They just got Votto back. And let's see what Votto happens. Is. Yeah. I don't believe the Marlins are better than the Mariners either. Quite frankly, I just saw them play for three games, and I saw the Mariners beat the Marlins two out of three. So these little snapshots of where you are in any one moment don't necessarily tell the entire story of who you are and where you're going, or I guess in some ways they say where you've been, but I'm not sure they tell the whole story. Baseball, probably even less than other sports, you are not always what your record says you are. Right. That being said, and I'm going to start kind of turning and flipping to the other side of this a little bit. I, uh, why in the world are the Mariners where they're at? It's so freaking annoying and frustrating. And while I do still hold out quite a bit of hope, and I can look at that you know, wild card race and see the rest of the AL has kind of come back to them a little bit, which is nice. Remember, for all of the conversations you're having now about the Reds and the Marlins, we've had others about other teams this year that have gone out and had a hot week or two and then maybe come back to earth or vice versa. But the Mariners just seem to be stuck in neutral, just idling, just unable to flip that switch that the Reds have so far this year for nine games that the Marlins did when they went on a little mini run of their own. And so far, it just hasn't happened. I saw Ryan Divish kind of going through the schedule yesterday and showing just how challenging this is going to be for the Mariners because of their schedule the rest of the way. Kind of unfortunate reality of it is they've played a lot of the easier parts of their schedule. And they didn't do much with it. They, they, they've already played some of the easier parts of their schedule, and there wasn't a lot of success there. They didn't take advantage the way they needed to. That's the bad news. On the other hand, and I know that I'm like going back and forth here like Vizzini in, uh, in Princess Bride, but on the other hand, the good news is the more you play better teams, the better chance you have to leapfrog them if you win. You still control your own destiny. It's still June 20th. You got all the time in the world if you flip the switch and play up to your potential. And if you don't, then these good teams are going to bash your brains in. Then these good teams are going to continue to strike you out 16, 18 times a game, which is what we saw over the weekend, which can't happen. It, it, It is go time. How many times have we said this about this team? Go. Last week, you said one of the most frustrating parts of this is that we weren't supposed to be having this conversation. I know, but now so, we are. I know, now we are. But I went back through my notes from last season around this time. You used, I think, those almost same words to Jerry of idling and neutral. And you're like, when is this going to happen? Because it was on paper the same. Not Well, it was not as good as it was this year. But on paper, they should not have been as bad as they were at that time last season. Right. And you're like, well, is this going to, is this, is something broken? Are we sellers now? The mm-hmm. deadline? And then it was the 14 game streak. And yeah. And, I and, and again, I end. don't need a 14 game winning streak. I really don't. I mean, I'm not going to turn one down. I would not, you know, say no to a 13 game, 14 game winning streak. That'd be great. But I, I don't need it. This team doesn't need it. You know what they need? Eight out of 10. Yeah. Nine out of 12. Yep. 15 out of 19. Right? It doesn't need to be every game in a row and you never lose again. But start stringing together multiple wins. Take advantage of the games that are winnable. That's why Saturday was so frustrating. That's why last, uh, what was it, Wednesday against the Marlins was so frustrating. Those are winnable games. 
and they have they have continued to piss them away. You've gotten unbelievable pitching. Your hitting has been subpar. I just need you to flip that switch and become the team that you were supposed to be. That's it. And if you can roll off 12 out of 15, which is, again, not an insurmountable number for this team. Win 12 out of 15 games. Seriously. You're right in the thick of everything. You're in the thick of the division, and you're in the thick of the wild card even more so. You're probably in the wild card at that point. The Yankees are moving in the wrong direction. The Rangers are moving, or the Astros are moving in the wrong direction. The Rangers are still gettable. Just just be you, for God's sakes. And then I don't need to keep looking around the league and hoping that everybody kind of hangs out and waits for you. Just be you. Just run instead of walk. And everybody else will be there. So, I don't know. That's where I'm at. I, I found myself annoyed last night at the Mariners, even when they didn't play. They playing. I thought you'd take a night off. <sighs> no, I was annoyed <laughs> at them, even though they didn't play. I was annoyed at them for you not know, playing. Roll out of 12 of 15, and maybe it'll be okay if you listen after one in the morning. Well, I don't know. Let's not get carried away. That still kind of grosses <laughs> me out. All right. Uh, coming up, but we'll give you everything you need to know. Uh, we got some great stuff from around the station yesterday, as the other shows had really cool people on and great guests, and we did nothing. So, uh, we're just going to steal from them and, and kind of talk through stuff. And then... And then at 7.45 today, for a little over an hour, K.J. Wright will be in studio hanging out. The return of K.J. Wright. I know you missed him. Uh, We will badger him with all kinds of questions, and uh, he will have spectacular answers. It was nine years ago last night that K.J. and his teammates received their championship Super Bowl ring. Nine? Yeah, nine years ago last night. Isn't that crazy? So I saw the uh, I think, saw a picture. Bring it in? Well, I doubt it, but I saw a picture <laughs> of young KJ. Excuse me, getting his ring that night. <laughs> nice. Okay. It was pretty cool. I would love to hear what that day was. He like. looks so young, man. Now he's grizzled. But at the time, he looked very youthful. Distinguished, I think, is the other word. Grizzled, yeah. All right, well, uh, coming up, we'll give you everything you need to know. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, back to back, uh, excuse me, back on the road. And this one is going to be, I would guess, a pretty tough task for these Mariners. But that's the position they've put themselves in. Their margin for error has been eaten up quite a bit. New York for three, Baltimore for three. Two teams that are ahead of them in the wild card standings. Baltimore is actually leading the wild card right now. New York tied for the last spot, just three games ahead of Seattle. You might remember it was last year in New York uh, when they went there and Luis Castillo first showed up and showed how dominant he could be. The Mariners kind of got their playoff push going in that series. In fact, in that game, he matched up with Garrett Cole. Started with a nice lead, too. You might remember Suarez, Santana, and Kelnick all homering in the first inning of that game. Well, it'll be Garrett Cole on the hill later today. And so the Mariners will be looking for a similar outcome this time. No Castillo. He doesn't go till tomorrow. George Kirby will be on the hill. So Kirby, Castillo, and Wu will be uh, your three pitchers in this series. And, you know, if they want to get things done, Scott Service said the other day, it all has to do with how they approach every at-bat. You know, I think every guy's situation is a little bit different based on how they're pitched. But, you know, trying to pull back and what we try to really focus on is staying in the middle of the field, stay into the big part of the field. And when you do that, 
the situational hitting usually cleans up a little bit. And in for whatever reason, you know, in those spots, we have not uh, done as well. Um, you know, when we've gotten away from our approach a little bit, we got to stay in the middle and to the other part of the field. Um, it really does help you stay on the offbeat pitches and, you know, lessens the load a little bit on trying to do too much up there. I got some sound from a guy who covers the Yankees coming up. I'll play it here in about 15 minutes. If you don't, th- if you don't punch your radio in aggravation, then I haven't done my job. Okay? Yeah, yeah I figured he'd like I- I'm going to play you this sound. It was from Wyman and Bob yesterday. If you don't punch your radio in aggravation and actually injure your finger, like your knuckle, because you hit it on some dial on your dashboard, then something is wrong either with me or with you. Here's the second thing you need to know. A couple weeks ago, the American League looked to be racing away from the Mariners. Today, seems like it's maybe coming back to earth a little bit. The Yankees, Rays, Blue Jays, and Astros have lost a combined 14 straight games. Combined 14? Combined. Yankees, Rays, Blue Jays, and Astros. As of last night, maybe one of them won last night. But until then, anyway, they had lost a combined 14 straight games. Texas has cooled off. They've won three straight, but they certainly cooled off as well. The point I'm trying to make is that while the Mariners have not played up to their expectation, have not lived up to their potential, not even close, they're not the only team in the league. It's the same thing I said a little bit earlier, right? The door is still open despite some of the Mariners' best attempts to walk into the frame. They're three games back in a wild card with three against the judgeless Yankees. That's like exactly where you want to be. Well, not exactly, but it's certainly within striking distance of where you want to be. You got a lousy Washington team at home next week. The opportunities are there for them if they can find a way to play well enough to take advantage. You just need to do that. You still control your own destiny. It's not over yet. But my gosh, just start playing better, more consistent, focused baseball. Here's the third thing you need to know. NHL draft now around the corner, a couple weeks away, free agency right after that. It's that time where, you know, Kraken and the rest of the NHL are making key decisions on how they want to shape their future. I liked an article yesterday I saw from Rob Simpson at Hockey uh, Seattle Hockey Insider. He suggested the Kraken might want to consider trading a goalie and drafting another one instead. All right. I agree. Martin Jones is a free agent, so he's unlikely to be back. Chris Drieger has been chronically injured, and he ended up as really the backup goalie in Coachella this year to Joey Decord, who might be ready for prime time after he's had this really great run in the AHL playoffs. But my suggestion is gauge the market for Philip Grubauer. I don't know what that looks like. His contract may be high enough that nobody's particularly interested in him. But if there is... If somebody was enamored after his strong showing in the playoffs and some of his history, deal him. Deal him and sell high if you possibly can. That's what I would do. And that's not a shot at Grubauer. And if he's back next year, I will feel just fine with it. And I love what he did for them, especially in the playoffs, where he really sort of narrowed his focus and played really well. But he's been up and down over the course of two years. Even last year, he was better than the year before, but not spectacular. And if there's wide interest in him... And you could include him as an opportunity to try to get yourself a star scorer. That, to me, is still something you got to do. I don't know if you can pull that off. I just don't know what the market is, but I'm interested. That's for sure. If I'm you, interested. But if you can it's get everything the, you need to know, the Grubauer that was playoff Grubauer, I don't want to move him. Like, if that's the guy that he that he is and can't, obviously he shows he can be. Can be. But 
But it's been two years. Like, I kind of need that a little bit more frequently, if you know what I mean. So, and he's an older guy. Look, I I like Grubauer, a good player. But if you could get that back, I mean, as much as I like where the Kraken are at, I don't feel like without making some sort of a big enough move, they are about to win a cup. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Good team on the rise. But unless you think you're going to win a cup next year without dealing Grubauer, then I'm probably looking to see how I can continue to grow this thing a little bit more long term. And that might be an opportunity to get that done. I agree that they probably need to draft another goalie this year. They drafted one somewhat early last year, second or third round, something like that. And and maybe there's an opportunity for him in the next few years, but he's still young. So, yeah, yeah I mean, Decor did well. You're right. In, uh, with Coachella. And he did well when you called him up but, this year, too. I mean, they, they didn't have as much need for him this year because their goalies were fairly healthy. But I, I, I like what I saw from Joey Decor both times he's been up. So and, and, and he was tremendous, tremendous in the AHL this year. Are you still kind of keeping an eye on what's going on in Toronto? Oh, yeah. Circled, circled that. One yeah. As, I mean, your sights have been set keeping there. my eye on it in that I'm waiting to see what happens there. Yes. I'm yeah. not like, you know, calling all of my many contacts. <laughs> I mean, you could. Try. I, I don't have any. But if I did, <laughs> I would be calling them. I don't have any contacts in Toronto. Uh, I guess we could call Adnan, see what he thinks, but I don't know. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not up on it quite to that extent. But if they are dealing one of their stars, man, okay. that is absolutely where I think the Kraken should be looking. And I hope Ron Francis has his eye on Toronto because they've got four scorers who would absolutely help this team in various ways and for various prices. I don't know if they're going to deal Austin Matthews, but I'm interested. I don't know if they're going to deal Mitch Marner, but I'm interested. I don't know if they're going to deal uh, who the other two guys, Nylander and Tavares. Yeah, I'm interested. I would love to to, to take away one of those four guys. And if the Leafs blow it up, maybe you can be the lucky team that uh, ends up capitalizing on some of that need. All right. Uh, as I said, KJ Wright's going to be in for Blue 88 at 745. Then he'll stick around for the entire 8 o'clock hour. Jeff Passan was nice enough to move a little earlier today, so we'll talk some baseball with him at 730. His buddy, John Morosi, on Friday had a very interesting, and I'm not sure I would say exciting, I think some people will be upset about this, uh, plan for the Mariners at the deadline, which I'll play you coming up, in addition to the sound that I promise will make you want to punch something on your dashboard. Mm-hmm. It's coming up. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710, salesports.com. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Sounds going to make you punch your radio, or do you want Morosi, which still might make you irritated, but not in the same way? Oh, I mean, can we save the guy that I guess is going to really make me upset? You want, you want me to save the uh, the Yankee beat writer? If I don't want to get blinded with rage right at the beginning. All right, so like, we'll, we'll work our way first. up to that. Uh, yeah. We'll go around the station here in a minute. It is Brock and Salk Show, Sales Sports on 710salesports.com. That, of course, is Justin's voice. Mora will be back tomorrow after uh, what I'm sure will be an epic trip filled with crazy stories from Iowa. I can only imagine. I saw she went to the Field of Dreams. She did finally yeah. go. Oh, good. That. So at oh, least good. there's some, there's, there's a good sports story. There. Nice. All right. Well, 
Of course she did. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> I know it does. Uh, so, yeah, Maura will be uh, back tomorrow. Uh, one more day with Rob, who's been hanging out and doing a great job filling in for Maura here. But let me uh, let me run around the station yesterday. It was a big day. Lots going on. We'll start off with uh, John. I guess this was from a few days ago. But, yeah, hey, no rules, man. Time. We're, we're stud rebels. We, uh, we do whatever we want whenever we want. So when I say around the station yesterday, it doesn't have to be yesterday. <laughs> Show you guys. <laughs> Show you what I'm capable of. Uh, this was actually on Friday with Wyman and Bob. Uh, John Morosi, uh, Fox Sports, covers baseball, of course. And um, he had a thought for what the Mariners may want to do this uh, deadline season. I like this team a lot in spring training. But even even well-constructed teams can underperform a little bit. That's what, hap- that's what, that's what certainly happened here offensively. And then on the flip side, they can't control that the Rangers all of a sudden got healthy and got great all, like, like this year, everything has gone right for Texas. And on some level, it hurts to say it, but this might be a uh, we'll, we'll reevaluate things next year. Now, the the other thing about it that I will say and where I, I do think that you know, at the very least, keep that candle going uh, for the possibility of a dramatic trade deadline move from from Jerry DePoto is that this is the kind of a year where you can contemplate the big move because you're looking at the lineup and saying, you know what, this, this group right now is not quite what we, what we envisioned. And, and by that, I mean, you would be trading, you'd be trading one of your pieces for a really controllable long-term piece that this is the, the kind of a year where you're not, you're not looking at this as saying we're one piece away from winning the world series. It's, Hey, if we're going to make a trade in the next six weeks, it had better be looked at as the first move of building a championship team for 2024 as opposed to the finishing touch on the World Series team of 2023. Hmm. You disagree? I don't disagree yet. No, I don't disagree yet. I mean, essentially what Morosi, he kind of goes on to talk a little bit more, and, and you can read this whole thing at salesports.com. You know, it's sort of a buy and sell kind of a trade. We've seen the Mariners move in this direction before where they try to kind of buy and sell at the same time. That's what they did the Kendall Grafman year, right? And I know it drove everybody crazy, but that was sort of their plan that year was to sort of buy and sell at the same time. You could do that, and and the name that I'm sure he's kind of pointing at is Teoscar Hernandez, who is heating up, right? driving up his value. He's a good player that would absolutely help a contending team. And his deal ends at the end of this year. So he's not signed up here long-term. Could you deal someone like Tay Oscar for a young controllable talent and maybe at the same time, try to bring in somebody else to play right field to finish off the season? You could, you could, there's a big butt coming here. I'm not ready to. I'm not ready to say that yet. I, I'm just not. I, you're too close to the wild card for me to start walking down that road. And you know, I understand what Morosi's saying about everything having gone right for the Rangers so far. It has, but don't you think that also increases the odds that it's not going to continue to go right for them constantly for the next three and a half months? That's kind of how I feel. That's why I've sort of, you know, said I think they will come back to earth. Could I be wrong? Of course, man. It's baseball. We're in the prediction business, which is impossible to do. Of course, I could be wrong, just like Morosi has been wrong. But I would look at the Rangers and I would go back to what he just said. 
everything has gone right for them. Not they're a vastly superior lineup. Not their their roster is so much better than the Mariners you can't compete. Everything has gone right for them while everything has gone wrong for you. Either that means that, you know, everything's going to continue to go right and wrong. Or it means that the worm will turn for both of those teams at some point. Mm -hmm. So I would probably bet on the latter. I would probably bet that a lot of the things that have gone inexplicably right for Texas are not going to continue forever. That they're not going to have such crazy success with runners in scoring position, unbelievable batting average and balls in play. That some of their starting pitching, which has had all kinds of injury issues in the past, will regress. That's my bet for one of the older teams in baseball. My bet for the Mariners would be that good players will remember that they're good again. So, no, I'm not there with John yet. I'm not ready to start trading for the future. Okay. But okay. if we start getting closer to July, middle of July, end of July, and you're still stuck in neutral and Texas hasn't come back to earth yet, at some point, reality stares you in the face. Mm-hmm. You don't need to make this decision right now. You don't need to. So 16 of the of the remaining 19 games before the All-Star break yeah. are against winning teams. The only three that aren't are against Washington. They're here at home starting next Monday. You're going to learn a lot. So you have Yankees, Baltimore, Tampa, Giants, and the Astros before the All-Star break. Yep. At the end of that 19, if you're not, what did you say? Was it you wanted to seem like a 12 or 15 or something well, like that? Well, I don't know but, that you need to go 12 or 15, not, but if you're, you, I mean, I think you'll know. So, but that's your, I guess that's your point. You got, you got 19 games to decide where for your yet on Morosi's comments. Pretty, pretty close. Yeah. I mean, you still get a little time after the All-Star break, but not much. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's probably the time in which you want to start having that, that conversation about what, what direction you want to go. So, yeah, I mean, the bad news is you're right, Justin. All those teams are good other than Washington. The good news is three of them are right ahead of you in the wild card. Mm-hmm. So you, you want to get yourself into yep. that race? Take yep. down Houston. Take down New York. Neither team is playing very well right now. And take down uh, Baltimore, who is. It's right there in front of you. Yeah. You have the pitching to do it. And quite frankly, your bats should be better than they've been. Stay with your approach. Do some of the things that, that you, you started to do in the beginning of that Marlin series. And there's no reason you can't have more success. Right. And it, we saw, like you mentioned it earlier in the show, and last time in New York, these, this lineup can hit balls out of that ballpark pretty simple, pretty easily. Of course it can. So let's, let's see what the team's built to do. Well, of course they Get can. There. And Tay Oscar's had his success in that building before, and we yeah. saw what Kelnick did last year before he was even good. Like, let's go. Pick yeah. it up, man. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to have Aaron Judge. God, it is so laid out for you if you're able to take advantage of it. All right, uh, we continue to go around the station. I will get to the uh, to the infuriating sound from New York in a few minutes. Let me uh, continue, though, with Wyman and Bob. Uh, here's Bob Stelton yesterday, pretty unimpressed with the Mariners over the weekend. Yeah, it's, it's fair to be concerned. It's fair to walk away from that series going, okay, yeah, you, you did win. You beat a team that's not great right now. But you got dominated by a guy who is not dominant this year. He's 36 years old. He came in with a 4-7 and seven record and a 6-7-5 ERA. He had 10 strikeouts combined in his last two starts. So it would be different if, hey, man, Lance Lynn has been, you know, rejuvenized. He's, he's a guy who looks like he's 27 again, and he's just having a year nobody expected. That's not the case. It's not the case at all. So that's frustrating. To, you know, the, you get into, hey, man, those guys are being paid to win, too, and those are pros over there, too, and you got to tip your cap. Nah, not in this case. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not going to give him that kind of credit because 
He hasn't been doing that to anybody. It's strange. But he yeah. did it to you. It, he did it to you. It's not. It, he comes in red hot. I I could get into that, but. <laughs> Wait, hold on. He just threw that in at the end? If he came in red hot. But oh, he did. if. If he I thought he was saying he had come no, in. No, no, no. He said he had five strike or ten strikeouts in his last two starts combined. Yeah. Yeah, the Mariners strike out a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's going to debate the that point. whiffs in that game, too. I agree with Bob, though. I, I, I kind of have the exact same feeling coming off that White Sox series. I was not impressed the way I wanted to be. I'm glad they won. Of course. I'm glad they won, but I got to say, like, I... I like what they did in game one of that series. I, that That's a good win. You kind of go through these six games, right, that they just played at home. They won four or six. First game against the Marlins, great. Second game against the Marlins, great. They hit well. They pitched well. They did everything right in those two games. Yep. Third game against the Marlins, good approach. Some bad luck. Some bad moments. Mm-hmm. A couple so, balls die at the wall. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to complain about how the Mariners played but I I thought it was a really frustrating game. Okay. Then you get three against a really lousy Chicago team. That's your opportunity, man. That's that's go time, right? That's like, all right, easy. You get a, and and I don't know whether they take the foot off the gas or what, but you should be, if you want to be where you want to be, at some point you got to start sweeping away teams like Chicago. Of course. And game one, loved what they did. That pitcher was good that night. That was uh, Kopech. That was a close 3-2 win. Yeah, and they did a really nice job of working counts, working him out of the game, and finding a way to get the win. Good for them. Next game was the loss. Yeah, that was a seawall save. Just, I mean, again, you were in a position to win the game. I mean, the Mariners put themselves in position to win games almost every night. But they they didn't hit well. Their approach stunk late in that game. They had opportunities to win that they didn't take advantage of, and they forced their bullpen once again to need to be razor-thin perfect. Well, they're not going to be perfect. They're going to be excellent. They're going to be maybe the best in baseball, but they're still not perfect. And that was a night in which, you know, a day in which Paul Sewald unfortunately gave up the run. But you still had, even after that, three chances to win the game, two of them with the man on second in extra innings. Yeah. One of them with the run. So am I frustrated by that one? Yeah, I am. And then I'm right there with Bob. Kudos. I'm glad they were able to eventually work the pitch count up enough to get Lance Lynn out of the game. But Lance freaking Lynn, 36 years old, not having a great season. I know he's had their number before and they will struggle with guys like him. But come on. How are you supposed to get to Garrett Cole if you can't get to Lance Lynn? And the easy answer is, well, Mike, it's baseball. Happens all the time. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And, and happens all the time. And to Bob's point, it's like, well, our guy's getting paid to win too. And yeah, but you know what? Sure it's like, happening to this team too often. And that's what he just he was yeah. like, but it happened to you. It's happening to you too often. Uh-huh. There's no there's no other way to say that. All right. Um, let's see what else I got here. I got so much other sound I want to play. Uh I've got ooh, let's do this. So Jared Kelnick. Let me play you some Jared Kelnick. He was on the station uh, late last week as well. Love the season, obviously, that he's having this year. Does it change his mood? Does it change how he sounds? Here is Jared Kelnick. The biggest thing for me is trying to pull positive out of everything. Uh, you know, we're human and, you know, emotion is going to take over sometimes and you're going to get frustrated. Like, it happens. Like, it's a tough game. But when the dust settles, I think you always just got to remind yourself that, you know, you're just one swing away, like in baseball terms, from doing something special. And if you can have that mindset, then it makes you forget about like those, you know, 0 for 10s or 0 for 12s, 0 for 15s, whatever they are. And um, it's just a lot. It frees your mind up a little bit. And, you know, that's what keeps you going throughout the long season that we have. 
We, you talk about being in a funk. Is it has it gotten to a point where it's easy for you to identify what you're doing, or do you go in and look at tape and oh, I'm pulling off, oh, I'm trying to pull everything, I'm trying to do this, or does it take a while? No, I mean, you know, you have to understand too that like baseball is just such a tough game. Like whether you know you start a bad habit because your body's tired or something like that, and you just gotta sometimes just give your cut yourself some slack for that, you know, and never never too worried about you know when stuff's not going your way and just have trust and faith that it's going to swing and it'll it'll change and i think you know the reason what's got me to that point is because i struggled for so long and you know i had a great spring had a great start to the season and like i came out of the the rut that i was in there and you know here's another one that's you know a few weeks long and it's all about as my career goes on shortening those up so that you know instead of two years or two months now it's like two games or two at bats or two pitches um so that's just like what i'm trying to do is just trying to learn and you know identify things and do it in a calm manner like especially when the game is done to just dissect and learn from it jared what are some of the the things that you deal with i really enjoy jared kelman yeah that, he sounds like a different jared kelman than the one we spoke with last does year. he he does to me well he's happier he there's no doubt up. There's no doubt success has has made him more relaxed, no right? It's, it's it's he feels comfortable and confident, and you can hear that in his voice. I think he's still saying a lot of the same things. I think he's tried to live by some of the same principles. The words, if you were to read them, I don't know that they would be that different from what we heard last year. There were times where maybe he felt like he was struggling to find it a little bit. You're right. We did hear, you know, he had too many voices in his head and too many people were talking to him and he needed to clear it all out. But I've always kind of felt in listening to Jared that he's got a plan, that that he kind of knows what he needs to do and that he's got a plan. He's just not always sure, like always able to execute on it. Yeah, sure. I think he's a confident kid with a lot of thoughts on where he wants to go he's pretty clear in what that looks like Mm -hmm. he's just not always able to execute on it i like what he has to say right now and as he you know he he should be in a good place he did prove to himself and to everybody that he can do it yep and your point at the beginning of the season him getting off to a hot start and what that would do for him he needed it 100 percent more than anybody else in the team i didn't know everyone else on the team was going to get off to a bad start I didn't know well, it was going to come at the you cost should've. of quite literally every other hitter on the team getting off to a lousy start, but uh, it seems like there's no way to have both at the same time. But you're right. I, I love him, and you said at the spring training, one of the most misunderstood players. He's a bright kid. He, I, he's terrific. I love him. And there's some other spots. The whole video is up on, on our YouTube and Instagram. You can watch him. There's a couple fans that have an interaction with him there at Edgar's when he was sitting with Wyman and Bob, and he just seems different. Yeah. He just... It, He's saying saying it more with his chest. He's he's upright. He's he's earned it. He feels like he belongs. I think it sounds like the tone of it is different. You're right. If you read it, same philosophy. He's saying some of the same things, but it does not sound the yeah. same to me. No, I I, I agree. The, the voice is definitely very different, and and it's coming from a place of hey, now I've seen it. He sounds a little bit more like the kid he was before he went through the struggles. Yeah, true. Kid who's got a lot of confidence, confidence in, in, in where he's going, and for good reason, because he's immensely talented, and we're finally getting a chance to see all that talent on display. All right. Yeah. Uh, he will be in New York tonight. So this is John Jastrzemski, who uh, is a writer. There we go. Uh, for The <laughs> Ringer, and I don't know. He's, SN, he's he works show, at SNY yeah. in New York, and I, I heard this. 
This is also why I'm in a Bob. I do have some Bump and Stacy stuff, but this is also why I'm in a Bob. I promise that this would irritate you. It certainly irritated me. Um, <laughs> God, I just feel like I know so many people like this. I, I'm hesitant. All right, do me a favor. I'm going to play you this sound. If you are feel the need to punch your your dashboard in some way, be careful. Don't hurt your knuckles and don't like accidentally drive into somebody else. All right, just be little, careful little while I play this. It's a simple solution, guys. It's the offense. You know, it's. it's I should set it up that he's talking yeah. about what's going on with the Yankees and and what it's like not having Aaron Judge there. What it's done to their offense. Economy stupid. It's the offense stupid. I mean, you look at their numbers, and since the. In through to Aaron Judge, what was it, back on June the 3rd or June the 4th? I mean, they had an average on-base percentage, OPS. They're, I think, 28 for 29th in baseball in, in runs scored. And we're talking about the Yankees. You know, this is what you would expect oh. out of the Kansas City Royals. Oh. This is what you would expect out of the lowly Oakland A's. For the Yankees to be in this offensive funk, it's completely unacceptable. And, you know, normally you don't see – the impact of one player in a baseball lineup. You just don't. Like, guys miss time, and usually other players are able to step up if it's for a two-week or a four-week sample, give or take. Guys, this is like not having Jokic. This is like not having Steph Curry without having number 99 in the lineup. You feel it, you sense it, and it is obvious. The Yankees are a drastically different team without them, and quite frankly, they're not a very good team without them. The analysis is spot on. Yes. It is? Uh-huh. Spot on analysis, John. Spot on. Dead right. Everything he just said. Spot on analysis. Aaron Judge is very clearly the engine that makes that thing go. Right? He is what makes that lineup go. And without him, they don't look the same. No, very true. Should they hold the Yankees to a high standard and be upset when they have a 28th rated OPS or whatever they, you know, the stat was? Yeah, of course. Yes. Absolutely. But it is unbelievable. No, it's now totally believable to me because I'm 45 years old and I've been watching this and listening to it my entire life. That's not new. This is the Yankees we're talking about. Not the Royals. Not a team. Not the A's. Like the A's. <laughs> Not a team that's not the Yankees. This is the Yankees. They're ordained from God. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable (laughs) that the Yankees aren't perfect every second of every day because they're not the Royals. They're not the Mariners. They're not the Angels. They're the Yankees. And that's literally the crux of the argument that Uh comes out of New York. Uh Uh-huh. It's 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 mind-boggling the arrogance of of what it means to be from that city and root for that team. Yeah. And I'm sure John Jastrzemski's a nice guy. I think he's friends with Lefko. Yeah, I think with the school. And he's Lefko. a smart dude and yeah. I'm not taking a shot at him at all. Poor guy has fallen victim to his circumstance, to his environment, to where he was raised, to where he lives. What do you do about it? When you are when you spend all day with your head up your patoot, thinking about how you are the center of the universe and how only the Yankees matter, how only New York matters, how nothing else in the world matters at all, 
This is what you are left with. This is what you become. It's not your fault. You weren't born that way. You were born into this environment. You're shaped, yeah. You're right. You were shaped you were by the evil by this. around this you. Nature. In that pit of iniquity. <laughs> I knew you were going to lose your mind when you heard that. The second I heard the first piece of the the thick New York and the this is the Yankees, it's like, oh, Salk's going to blow his top on this. Oh, man. <laughs> he's right, though. He is right. And that's why the Mariners have to take advantage of Of course he's right. It's great analysis. He's a good baseball guy. By the way, there's a lot of smart baseball people in New York. There are. Some of them are even nice guys. I like some of the writers that I've met and people I've met in New York. Mark Feinstein, who's now with MLB.com, sweetheart of a human being, yeah, one of my favorites. That's big of you. And I'm sure John is a nice guy as well. I don't know him personally, but I've heard nice things about him. So this isn't a personal shot. Sure. I just feel bad for the guy. Stuck in New York, having this bizarre belief that everything should be preordained from God for you to succeed and that you are just by virtue (laughs) of being who you are superior to other teams in the league. We get it. We get it. (laughs) Gosh. Salk, it's called accountability. No, it's not. That's not accountability. It's just arrogance. It's, It's just flat out belief that you're superior and deserve to be. And there's only a few teams and a few fan bases that truly believe that. One is the Yankees. Another is the Montreal Canadiens. By the way, how's that accountability working for the Canadiens right now? They haven't won a cup in like forever, and they're one of the laughing stocks of the league and have been for decades. Yankees, Canadiens. It's really just them. Cowboys-ish. Ish, but not quite the same. Cowboys have their own obnoxious problems. But I've never met fans more convinced of their team's, like, or, like again, just God-given right to succeed yeah. than Yankees fans and Canadians fans. You got to go to a game in Montreal to really feel it. Go to a playoff game in Montreal, and literally their team is just rushing up ice, like not three-on-two, two-on-one, just like a random, you know, move up ice, no numbers. And the crowd's like, oh, 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 like they just believe in their hearts that because they're the Canadians and they're moving towards the goal, they're going to score. And it convinces, I, first of all, I think it terrifies the defense because they think they're in a three on two. Sure. And then the refs end up getting cowed and they end up, they end up blowing their whistle to help these ridiculous, arrogant fans. Some people are saying Lakers fans. Different. What about Philly fans? Different. All totally different. Okay. Well, now you ran yourself out of time because you were gonna. I knew you were gonna start ranting and raving about that. You guy. want me to do more? We're out of time. All right, we'll come back in a few minutes. I, I'll have to do something. I might have to switch directions here for a few minutes. I'm sorry if you punch something. I'm sorry if your knuckle hurts. All I can <laughs> tell you is mine does too. We'll be right back. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on seven ten. Salesports.com.